for the week of August the 4th, 2014. This is Tribune Sports Radio from the 7th floor of the Salt Lake Tribune offices. Uh, today we've got a more casual episode. It's a one-on-one <laughs> with... Is it, uh, is it casual? It's casual. Am I allowed to... Drop F-bombs? I don't see why not. I'm not good enough at editing to actually get those out of there anyway, so... Uh, tonight we're, it's just going to be uh, one of the original panelists, Mr. Aaron Falk, Tribune's Utah Jazz beat writer, cover of the Real Salt Lake, man of many words and many, many more written words. Let's move this microphone over for just a second. Hey, how you doing, Aaron? Good, how are you, man? Doing good. So before we get started with talking about some, uh, I want to talk about this Paul George's injury and the role of like uh, uh, kind of uh, the responsibility of like major league players Major League players uh, working on the national side. I want to tell you about my experience at the Bees game last week. Okay. So I'm listening. Uh, last Tuesday, it was my second mulligan for the paper. As many people probably know or don't know, is that I'm not a staff member. I'm a stringer, just a freelancer who works for the paper. And last year, it was kind of a dream of mine to go cover a Bees game. You know, it's a Major League team. Like, you, what you do for the Jazz, what you and Tony do for the Jazz, like, that's not, that's never in the cards. Like, I mean, it would take a, a catastrophic plane crash to, for me to get the tap to get out there, and frankly, it's probably not going to happen. Real, maybe a sidebar. That's don't you think I could be in the cards? I'll, I'll ask. Okay. I'll ask Joe. Possibly a sidebar, you know. But I'll try. I we could grease the palms. Maybe. <laughs> maybe if I put something he can fold and put in his pocket, he would let me do it. But with a bees game, there's a lot of availability, mostly because the games. Uh, what? How many games do they play? You know, like, like a billion? Is it? I think plus roughly. Three. I honestly think their ML. I think the minor league schedule is like 143 games. Yeah, it's something like that. It's a, it's a little shorter than the major league schedule. Because they have the call-ups in end of August and September Yeah, for the, to sort of have it truncated on that. So anyway, last year I went and covered a game. Uh, they, don't give, they don't give you any parameters. They say write the best story you can. You know, just, it has to be about Salt Lake. You know, like focus it on Salt Lake if it's about how they win or how they lose, but focus it on that. And uh, the only thing you need to make sure you do is you have to file it on time. Uh, having never really worked on deadline, I thought filing at 10.42 was the same as filing at 10.30, which was the deadline. And at that point, I was uh, summarily, I think essentially fired, is how I kind of took it. But anyway, last week, I got a chance to uh, do a mulligan on a deadline and uh, went up there and covered the Tacoma Rainiers, uh, who came here to visit with Salt Lake, and uh, got the story in by 10.30. Should have been a perfect... What time did you file? Filed at 10.24. Four-ish? Room to spare. <laughs> uh, with the exception of not saying Salt Lake Bees, there was no edits in there. That was my only thing I screwed up on. I start off with, like, B shortstop, Tommy Fields, instead of Salt Lake Bees. And so besides one minor edit, I got away with it. I got away with it pretty well. But All right. The only uh, beef about that I had about it was that for the food they served you that particular night wasn't the traditional fare of hot dogs or nachos or carne asada or something like that. They served steamed tilapia and steamed vegetables. They saw you walk in and they said, this is a man who needs a light white meat and some greens in his life. I, uh, I literally took one look at that and said, F this. Went back down to the pavilion. Got myself a, it was a nacho dog. Nacho dog, yeah. Which was epic. But what was the funny thing about it is that the other people who were covering the game for the competing newspaper, as well as for uh, minor leagues baseball, as you know, as well as the bees, uh, they chose to partake in this meal. And so by the fourth inning, that room smelled as bad as any locker room I have ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. It was just tilapia burps from the first, eh, third inning to about the eighth. 
and you of the Nacho Dog, you were you were above all of this. Beyond above this, it was uh, without repro- <laughs> without reproach. I felt fantastic about oh, it. All right. Um, anyway, um, this last uh, so anyway, I want to talk about this Paul George. Paul George, he plays for the uh, Indianapolis Pacers, and they're getting ramped up for this uh, FIBA World Cup, which is we've just got done with the World Cup for soccer. Now it's uh, for the basketball side of this. Uh, on a, what to me looked like a routine layup. You know, he was on a fast break, goes up there. He comes down particularly hard and breaks his tibula fibula. And uh, with listening to the newscast and t- listening to Larry Bird talk about uh, he's pretty much out, summarily out for the season and stuff like that, this was probably a big piece for the Pacers that were knocked out. Oh, if huge, huge, huge piece. piece. I mean, he's an all-star. He, I was in Wendover when it happened, and I overheard a man's who heard about this say we got to go bet the under on the pacers right now <laughs> those lines are not out and that's despicable by the way but yeah. <laughs> um no it's uh yeah it's it's i mean this they go immediately from a team that was contending for for the eastern conference title put them um, in there with uh, cleveland Cleveland, Chicago. yeah. I mean, you know, this was this was the team that it was Miami last year. It was Miami and Indiana. That was what it was, uh-huh. you know, going to come down to from coming out of the East. Now they're a team that might not even be a playoff team in the East. I mean, they've already lost some other pieces of free agency, and this is a um, ridiculously talented player that that now is gone for it, this season at least. It sounds mm-hmm. like. Well, there was a, in Larry Bird's statement. He said part of the he they're like he supported. George wants him to have a fast recovery. There's a spot waiting for him. You know, all the things you would want him to say. But the, he tops it off with, and I wish I had the quote directly in front of me. He says, we want to send our ma- – I'm going to paraphrase. Our ma- we want our major league players going to these World Cups and to the Olympics because we want to export both our game, our culture, and the sportsmanship of what it brings into it. But the biggest thing – the first thing he said was game. You know, And so I guess the question I was curious about was – what responsibilities do these players have to represent America on the national level? Well, I mean, it's it's on them. I I, I don't think they have any particular responsibility. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's obviously a, an honor for these players to be, you know, this this is the best basketball and the NBA is the best basketball league in the world. You know, to be chosen to represent your country, particularly in, in basketball, this country, mm-hmm. um, obviously is a huge honor. But, you know, there are, there are lots of guys that don't play for reasons. You know, LeBron is not playing on this particular team. You know, maybe Olympics would be different. 2016, but, maybe? Yeah, yeah, you know, pro- probably then. But, you know, it's he has he has a long season. Kawhi Leonard from the Spurs coming off of a very long season, going, you know, winning a, an NBA title, playing as long as really they can. Um, he's not going to participate, you know, the, things like that. So I, I don't know that there's – there's like some sort of grand duty. It's it's by choice, and, and many guys don't. Um, the real interesting, I guess, uh, interesting, but the the real topic for me right now is uh, you know the basketball stanchion, um, and and what they're going to do with with that. I mean, this is I think that w- one of the other things Larry Bird said was this is an in- it's an injury. It happened in a very public situation that they were broadcasting yeah. this this scrimmage right on ESPN or whatever, um, but. These, if these guys are in practice, an injury could happen. It could be, you know, a bad injury. So it's, I don't think that's going to necessarily deter. Yeah. But, but the stanchion issue is something that is going to be brought up a lot this year because this was, this was not an NBA event. It was a FIBA event. And the stanchion at, at uh, Thomas and Mac was 3 feet 11 inches. Mm-hmm. And you see, and I 
accidentally <laughs> came across the video just a second ago. I had not I'd, I'd seen a photo, um, but not the video until just now. And you see he he's going up to block James Harden's shot. Mm. He comes down. He, he hits part of the stanchion and, you know, horrific injury. Snappity's found. Yeah. Um, in the NBA, the minimum is four feet. I guess in, in well, Salt Lake, it's four feet. But lots of other places, it's six feet, eight feet. So I, I think back, that would be back up for just a second for the three people who are still listening. What exactly is a stanchion? It's it's the base of of the basket. Okay. So it's it's coming down to the floor, right? You know, it's uh-huh. um, and and that part from from the baseline to where the the, the base of of the hoop hoop is um, is three feet eleven inches. And he, maybe it's another inch, and, and maybe he doesn't hit it, you know, if there's a little bit more room. There's going to be all sorts of conversations about, about this, about um, photographers being on the baseline, because right now, you, you know, you look at the game, and that's where all the photographers are sitting yeah. is right on the baseline, and you see guys crash into them all the time. And I mean, like famously, uh, the worm getting the Yeah, yeah, the Dennis Rodman thing, thing, yeah, for sure. Um, so I, those, those will be the things that, that are – discuss in terms of you know trying to avoid this but you can't avoid obviously you cannot avoid injury completely in sport i mean he could have been a pick it up game at sugarhouse park and rolled an ankle and snapped it yeah he would have probably run the table there yeah i think, I think probably just three pointers it would have been fine <laughs> taking the tony jones approach with you had if i gave i'm going to give you three three accolades and i want you to rank them i'm going to have you i'm going to have you pretend i'm going to put on you're going to put on the uh a professional basketball jersey for a second i'm going to rank Three accolades. I want you to tell you what you think is number one, number two, and number three. We'll start with number one is a gold medal in the in the Olympics. Number two is a world championship, you know, the NBA title, and then the third would be a major league, uh, the uh, the league MVP. So like what uh, Kevin Dar- uh, Dar- uh, Durant won this year versus what the San Antonio Spurs won, and then obviously what America won for uh, two years ago. I think any of those guys would say NBA title first and foremost. First and foremost. I mean, it, it, there's that's. I mean, you you see the the, the passion for this, and, and Kevin Durant obviously winning the MVP, incredible moment for him. Obviously, he wants a title. I mean, I, I think that would mean more to those guys than almost anything else. Um, I'll, the MVP, obviously, incredible honor to be the best, best basketball. Player, yeah. yeah, I mean, and and then to to win a gold medal, I'll, I'll say gold medal at at number three. Three. I mean, it's it's great, but you're also playing for the United States in basketball, you know, I think if, you know, you're the U.S. hockey team and you win a gold medal or, or something like that, I mean, it's expected. Of, if you're on the U.S. Olympic team, it's expected of you to win a gold medal. And pretty much anything. Well, yes, yeah, but, I mean, but basketball. But basketball, but basketball specifically, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Like, so, uh, with, with that, uh, so with that said, it's like, is do should I mean if you were playing uh, play you know put on commissioner hat and all with this like should we just having am, should we kind of even the playing field around the world and only have our amateurs like dr- uh, get our best college players to sort of drive uh, the the national squad or mm-hmm. nah. nah just go for the jugular yeah go out there and, yeah I'm good with getting hardware you know I'm not complaining about that but I think I think people have, I mean we've. We've done that. We've followed that model for a long time. I don't know that it necessarily drums up greater interest, especially for something like basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. you would, it, it, to me, no, I, mean, I think we're, I think we're well past that, and, and professionals are 
the standard there. And so they usually fill out the, they're going to fill out this FIBA team with a couple of uh, college players and then just to give them some experience. But then is that? I I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think it'll be, because they have 19 guys that, that came into okay. uh, this camp, Gordon Hayward being, being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll whittle it down to 12 of them. Okay. Is uh, Hayward expressed interest in, or what's his been his, his take on uh, competing for one of those 12 spots? Oh, you know, I, I think same as everyone else, it's a, obviously a great opportunity. He's been part of this program for a while. Uh, for the last like, three years, he was on um, what they call the select team, which Trey Burke is on this mm-hmm. year. And that's kind of these younger up-and-coming guys who come in and c- practice against the, the senior team. Uh, give them, you know, the varsity versus JV. Yeah, and then and then it creates this kind of pool of players, which is what, you know, the, in the past when you know after the dream team and after you know we kind of got down this road and there were a couple of Olympics that, that they struggled, mm-hmm. and it was because they really didn't. They were taking the best players. They were taking um, as opposed to maybe a, the best team mm-hmm. possible, and so they've got this wider pool now, and they think they've kind of rethought how they they're going to look at. Um, assembling these teams, and so uh, Trey's will, will, you know, they take these up-and-coming guys and put them into the system so that eventually they can have really this kind of nice broad pool of people that are initiated into into this whole thing. Is there? Do you think there's a better coach out there for the American team than Coach K? I mean, it almost seems like just from what you watch, you see on TV and what you read, it's like he was like born for this job. You know? Yeah, I, I think I think you know, obviously he's had great success at, at all levels, <laughs> yeah. and and. This, uh, I mean, Greg Popovich, maybe. I have no idea. I don't know that he would be that interested in it. But, but uh, obviously, Greg Popovich is an incredible coach. Um, but, yeah, Krzyzewski is, is great, and he seems to relate to these guys and knows uh, how to make these kind of big personalities work together. With uh, So kind of moving on here, it's like you have a, kind of a hiatus between now and when the NBA season is going to be starting. So you've got this month off uh, from covering the Jazz on a day-to-day basis, right? Or- uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're still monitoring and, and things are coming up. Maybe mm-hmm. their roster's not quite completely filled out. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's time to do other things, like cover Real Salt Lake for, <laughs> for Chris, who is uh, – <laughs> The, the hero that he is is covering the tour of Utah. Yeah. You got to go. Uh, so uh, t- tell everybody about this trip that you got to go back on to Colorado. And, you know, for years, the other things. We talk a lot of times about the show being sort of stagnant and we just sort of like force questions. But a thing for me is that what I've loved about participating as a Tribune is that I don't care so much about the sports itself. It's like I'm more interested in seeing how the sausage is made. You know, it's like what Not it takes. well. You know, it's like what it, what it takes for you to go out there, and not just go out there on the plane, but like what's the experience is like you going to a, a new stadium, watching the players, coming up with the gamer, what's the deadline on that? Like kind of walk, uh, if there was a kid in journalism school, like walk him through what your day was like on Saturday when he went to Colorado. I mean, it's, it, I, I've been out there before a oh. couple of times, but, uh, you know, you it's this one's this one's pretty easy for, for soccer versus – some of these basketball games, I mean, basketball, they have shoot-around. Then they have this pre-game availability, the game, post-game. You know, there's there's a lot of opportunity, and, and especially in, the, you know, this day and age of Twitter and the Internet, you're constantly getting things and trying to update things throughout the day. Um, this is relatively basic. You know, you go, you get into your hotel, you watch Teen Chopped, and then you go to... <laughs> <laughs> You go to the stadium, and it's soccer, so it's beautiful because 
it's two hours <laughs> and it's done. And you know you're going to hit deadline. Unless, like the last time before this time, I was at Dick's Sporting Goods Park and there was an incredibly long weather delay and, uh-huh. you know, then you push up against it. So with, uh, with the deadline on that, um, we, sometimes with me, uh, like NBA, you don't get as much access you might want with the players and stuff like that. Is it easier with MLS to get access to the, the guys because they don't have as much media hounding them? And, you know, yes and no. First-tier guys might be much more interested in kind of telling you their story and kind of participating with the media? Yes and no. I think that all of these players are – they kind of get acclimated to what the level of exposure is mm-hmm. regardless. And with, with these NBA guys – they are, get it every day from a lot of people, all these requests, and I think that they become, you know, certainly not, they don't love it, but they become used to this is the grind. And with with soccer, I mean, last year, Jason Christ wanted to talk to reporters once or twice a week, which is, you know, I mean, it's his prerogative, I guess, but it's, you know, an NBA coach would do it multiple times uh-huh. in a day even um, just because those are the rules, so. It's kind of, but rules uh, set by who? The, the, the league. The league, the league okay. yeah. And that's the guarantee that uh, the, there's a third-party product that's being produced to help promote the league yeah, from the outside. Yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. With, um, it seems like with the, you know, like when you, I've done a lot of high school as well as you have, and it's like when you talk to those kids, there's tons of exposure. Like, you know, like you get invited into their homes sometimes. You know, you get to meet them in parks to watch them play, pick up soccer games or pick up basketball games. And it's uh, in crafting stories for both the NBA as well as Major League Soccer, I mean, how is it harder to find that angle, or is it the angles are there? It's just the access is kind of what sometimes puts you at an arm's length. Uh, both, I, I think. I mean, I'm relatively new at this, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if you find an, a kid with an incredible story at the high school level, odds are you're the first person to ever tell that story. And by mm. the time, you know, especially with the exposure that we give kids, even high school, you know, and into college and things like that then, you know, they, there are a lot of opportunities that people have come across. Many of the, I guess we'll say, like, the, the biggest storylines yeah. from these kids' careers um, or lives. And uh, it does become a bit of a challenge. It becomes a challenge because there are um, more people that are trying to, to get those stories, uh-huh. you know, the competition. But, there, you know, it, it still happens, and there are really good writers that are, certainly make decent money because they are very good at, at um, kind of, getting those things out and and if you can if you can pull out those stories in that situation when there is so much coverage already and and coverage you know competition um you know that you know just makes you that much better in my eyes with you um you know, you, I mean, you're, you're a heck of a writer. You know, and you, I thought, you know, for those that don't know you, you started off uh, at the crime desk here at the Salt Lake, uh, at the Salt Lake Tribune, and then you moved to the sports side, and then eventually you were promoted up, promoted up to being a, a jazz beat writer on this. Like, the first year has got to be almost, it's got to be almost like terrifying <laughs> to a certain extent. Like meeting deadlines when you're in uh, uh, Lakers games, for example, mm-hmm. you know, or if they play the Golden State Warriors, or if, when there's a deadline, you're already cut down by an hour. It's like. Uh, what were some of the bigger challenges above and beyond? Like, what, what were the new tools you put into your toolbox as a reporter when you took over this beat? Finding the entrances <laughs> to these arenas, number one. I think I walked around the uh, the former Rose Garden in Portland for like 30 minutes trying to get into the damn thing. Um, no, you, you, you learn to be quicker and, and sharper and... Uh, you know, sometimes you don't have time to really sit out and, and, and think it. You just 
have to go and there's there's some benefits to that as as a writer to feel that pressure like uh just knowing that you have to have the faith in yourself to get it right the first time yeah i mean you, you don't sit around I, I think that writers often are these people that think that they're these great creative minds so they're going to sit and i'm really going to just really consider the the whole spectrum and and often what that means is you're doing something else right you know <laughs> taking a taking a minute i need a minute to really think about this and i i've one writing coach i just like from a podcast listening to a week a, a mechanic doesn't sit there and look at your car and wait for the inspiration to yeah. come you know it's like sometimes you just have to work crank so, it yeah um so, like, can we started talking about with me messing up the bees initially, and, and the thing that screwed me up is that I didn't know I was waiting for quotes, you know, because I figured if I didn't have quotes, I couldn't submit. But as it turns out, you can just do a game summary, and that would be enough to suffice to, to end doing your coverage for a particular game. Have you ever done a story without having to do quotes in it, or do you are you able to uh, take quotes from earlier in the game or um, earlier in the day? Or? Y- yes, and yes, and no. Um, like you said, those Lakers games, those West Coast. De- Especially, our deadline is being moved up from time to time mm-hmm. for, to for printing cost reasons, things like that. Um, and so sometimes you file immediately as after the, after the game ends, and then you chase for for online. You know, then you go out into the locker room and and fill it out, and you get a web story up. Of the uh, places uh, last year, obviously, so it was an East Coast game. You know, doing Atlanta, New York, Brooklyn, Boston, and stuff like that. It's uh, just with that extra time. Is that wor- is that a benefit or is it? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I definitely think so. For you, is it just a chance to sort of like take a deep breath and kind of like process what you just witnessed, or yeah, and a chance to talk to more guys after a game um, to get different perspectives, especially you know, to get different perspectives on a play or or just an overall theme whatever it is um because sometimes you're so the, the time constrictions are such that you, you can really talk to so only uh, a handful of guys and then go uh, so i'll uh, pretend like you're at the, the next you're at the garden you know wandering around there uh, specifically for the garden and this one's a selfish question i'm just asking for myself do they have a press room or do you actually go into the locker room right after the game or there's well both both yeah so you have a there's a press room you know, then there's press row where you watch the game and work and stuff. Yeah. And um, and then yeah, you go to you go down to the locker rooms and. How competitive is it for a gamer with one of those? You know, like uh, with New York or Boston or Detroit or something like that. Well, I think for if you're covering the Knicks, there yeah. are much more there are more people in the Knicks <laughs> locker room than uh, than in the Jazz locker room. Yeah. So with. Uh, was there a game of last year? Because I, one of the questions is we, you know, you look, you ask people as we're getting ready for looking at their schedule. Hey, is there a game you got circled on the calendar? You know, for the team, like we're going back for revenge, or that's a must-win game for us. But for you, going out on the road, is there one one stadium that you're like, I would really like to go. I'm excited to go back there. Like, uh, I want to revisit Miami or something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, inter- not necessarily the arenas or, or or because of the teams, but because they're towns. That some, you know, some cities are really great to visit boston like you mentioned yeah. uh i actually enjoy memphis a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people don't like it but i i think that it's it's the right kind of, of like dirty for me so. <laughs> I, i've uh I've, I've heard people describe memphis as las vegas in the appalachians <laughs> <laughs> filled with bars filled with great greasy deep fried foods and stuff like that that's right um gus's fried chicken <laughs> with the it seems like uh, it seems like kind of a, a weird way. It's like 
there's so much buildup for what you have to do to get out there. You know, it's like the traveling restrictions, you know, uh, just getting to the games is a pain in the butt. You know, like uh, hopping on flights, going on when you're on road for seven to eight days. Like when do um, those with those long stretches that you had out there, well, beyond things as simple as like being homesick and like wanting to be back here in Utah or missing friends and family and stuff like that. Like what is the hardest thing about it? Is it is it just like you're kind of sleep deprived all the time or? Yeah, yeah. I when I got the job, um, Ross Seiler, who used to cover the team uh, for us several years ago, Mm -hmm. sent me a message like, "You are never going to be as tired as as you are (laughs) when you do this." And it's it's ridiculous at times. I mean, um, lots of early flights and and they uh, players almost religiously. There's the NBA nap. These guys, because they're they're traveling all the time, right? And it, you know it's chartered, but it's still it's just insane travel schedule. And so these guys, without fail, you take a nap during the day. And two thirty, it's yeah. I mean time. that's and and I think riders end up doing that too. Well, did the players on the Jazz last year mimic your kind of uh, fatigue as the season was going along? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, they're in much better shape. Than <laughs> uh, with. Tell us what's happening right now with Quinn Schneider. Is, uh, is he filling in nicely with his role as a head coach? Yeah, I mean, we don't have much to go off of. Uh, he was not the coach, uh, the, the bench coach during the summer league, mm-hmm. um, but he was there certainly and uh, ran their practices and you know did, did those sorts of things. But I think we saw in that summer league uh, some really positive things, just how how much faster they were trying to play and um, all these players talk, talk about just the freedom that they have uh, on offense um, just to kind of play and, and kind of see things and do things that, that are kind of natural to them as mm-hmm. opposed to running through these very specific sets and, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think so far it, it's looked like a, a good hire. Everybody that's that's had interaction with them, Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver, mm-hmm. uh who were there in Atlanta with him last year when he was an assistant coach, raved about him. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, it'll be very, very um, intriguing to see how this year plays out, and I don't expect very many wins mm-hmm. this year um, just because they're still very young and they didn't do that much to, to yeah. add around it, right? Um, but uh, I think you'll see a lot of a lot of new, new things, and I think people are kind of excited again, which – which they certainly weren't by you know midseason last year. So make a prediction. Make a prediction. I a, predict. No, no, not the just the wins. I don't give. I don't care. Oh. Give me a prediction on this. What player's jersey is going to be the top selling one for the Jazz this year? I I mean I think Exum. Exum's going to go. Is it going to be a well deserved number one jersey or is it? Well, is he? I don't think Exum's going to be the best player on the team this year. Yeah. I think, you know any number of those guys will do that because they have the experience, you know, and, and you saw Exum's shot was not in the best place in summer league, um, things like that. And I don't think they're in a rush to, to move, you know, to, to play him 40 minutes a game or something like that. And, and certainly Trey will take up heavy minutes too. Um, but I think that the intrigue and, and we all like shiny new things and fans especially are excited by the possibility. He's not he's not yet let anyone down. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, I, I think I think he will be. And he also comes in with much more um, excitement and and hype than basically any of these guys 
that you know that the Jazz have taken in the last who knows how long, right? I mean, he comes in with with Foot Locker commercials and Red Bull endorsements, and and you know he's really well put together. He's a well spoken kid, really smart and thoughtful, um, and he's got that that it factor that you know. I mean, Gordon Hayward was very uh, I think kind of a, a lovable figure because of that Butler run when uh-huh. he came in, but still it wasn't. You know, I don't think people were going bonkers a for it. Goofy little cornfetti, you know. I mean, it's, it, no, I mean, nothing against Gordon. And Gordon and I'd ball with you anytime, but it's, you know, it, it, in terms of the, not the shiniest, shiniest quarter. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and his canter didn't even play his yeah. one year at Kentucky, so people really didn't. It's kind of like Darren Williams might have been the last one that was yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah, I exciting think. when he came in here from, uh, was it Illinois? Yep. Yeah, it was exciting to have him come there. I'm gonna put a. I'm gonna put this one out. I think the jersey of record are the, and that when you go to the Energy Solutions, it's gonna be Rodney Hood's. Yeah. I think Hood's jersey is fantastic. I think <laughs> I like his last name. I like how he's kind of a plucky little kid. I think he's got some. He seems like he's got some personality. I think once he sort of shakes the freshman worries off, I think he's gonna be a good player. Yeah, I, I think that the way he, I mean, he's obviously a, g- a good shooter. He's a little streaky in the summer, mm-hmm. um, but. He played well enough that I think that that impacted their their summer plans, and I think they wanted to add um, more at the wing and more shooting and scoring at the wing. But I think the way they saw, they they feel pretty comfortable to give him some minutes this year. And and so what we saw was them bringing in Carrick Felix, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who played thirty minutes last year total for Cleveland. <laughs> um, who's a, who's apparently you, a nice defender, but if you, you think know, about that, a uh, half hour longer than you and me. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I just love that hood jersey. I love the last name. I don't know. There's something about him that makes me excited. And with XM, it's there. You, it's like there is that it factor, but there's also that huge question mark with him. It's like, how is he gonna? When when's a 19 year old body banging up against you know a, a 25 year old man? You know, it's like, how is he gonna have the physicality? Is he gonna be able to keep healthy? Is he keep his composure you know is is it going to be basically a huge trial by fire like hidden in australia for as long as it was like there's that to me has always been the fun thing about learning more about him mm-hmm. is that he really is from the outback you know like i don't know i don't know much about him yeah i think you'll you'll see some of those problems throughout the year no doubt um he he will be a huge part of the australian team and so you'll see him go up against grown men yeah. this summer uh for for world cup before we, we see that in the season um but he's uh, he's so fast and, and so big, six six at point guard. I mean, you see him and Trey standing next to each other, and it's just you know, world of difference. Trey not quite six feet without shoes, um, <laughs> and and you know he's he's just so big and so fast that he's he's got this just incredible upside, and I I think he'll he'll pan out. You know, uh, when first time I ever got to see Kevin Durant, kind of bring it back to him in Westbrook, uh, when they came to Salt Lake City, uh, was it four years ago? It was just a game that I happened to go to and stuff like that. You could tell on TV they're fast. You know, like there's that speed. But when you see them in person, I know you get to see, I think you would, you could see like 82 games last year or maybe shy a few of those. Watching these guys that are six, six, six and a half, you know, six foot and six, I'm sorry, six foot six and plus, when they can cover a court in three steps, I mean, that's amazing, you know. I mean, that there is a price of the ticket to be able to see cats that can just explode like that. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, it's the athletes are incredible. That's yeah. that's what makes the NBA fun. I, I think right now yeah. for most people is just to see those th- that incredible athleticism to see what LeBron can do and what Durant does every night. It's, yeah. it's just insane. 
with uh, they just had not really changing subjects here, but uh, we had the baseball Hall of Fame. I think it was three weeks ago. And uh, is that true? I I'm so out of the baseball. Okay. <laughs> I think it was two. Actually, it was actually two weeks ago. Glavin and Maddox went in. They had a couple of uh, Tony Russo, um, uh, Yankees, uh, Joe Torre, and uh, Russo Torre. Uh, I can't remember the third one. So. But they went into the class, and then this, they just had the, uh, the Football Hall of Fame last week. Uh, Michael Stratham went in there. Guy Ray, finally, the first punter, made it into uh, <laughs> It's funny watching a punter. Uh, he looks, when they're showing like the highlight reel, the sizzle reel of him with, it, with, it, with helmet on and off and stuff like that. With the exception of Gray, he looks exactly the same. So <laughs> where you look at some linebackers who would get accepted in there, I mean, they look beat up you know like even Derek Brooks who went in on there you know he gives a speech and I mean he looks he's a physical mess in terms of that he's both big and intimidating but it's also like you could just tell getting out of bed every day has got to be you know uh, probably however you however he finds the strength to do that but um the uh Daniels uh Daniel Stern ex-NBA uh NBA commissioner went in to that uh why is the ba- – uh, do you know offhand what da- – David Stern. David Stern. Da- Daniel, Daniel Stern was Stern? the guy from Home, Home Alone. Alone. <laughs> but uh, is it – basketball is weird that their Hall of Fame is like – it's basically catch as catch can. You know, it's like there's there's talk of putting in like the Argentinian uh, 94 team uh, just as a, as a group and stuff like that. Uh, I can't think of any other league that has such like a wide berth of who they put into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, I guess I really haven't, haven't considered it, but it's – David Stern. David Stern, yes, not, Daniel. Sure. not Daniel, not the Wet sir. Bandits. <laughs> the wet, they, although they might qualify for the Basketball <laughs> Hall of Fame under those criteria. Um, no, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I don't know what I, I don't have, I don't have any hot takes on this. Yeah. I, I think that it's, uh, it's, you know, uh, unlike football and, and baseball, the, the really nice thing about the Basketball Hall of Fame is we really don't have a scandal associated with with anything you know there's not a there's not a steroid cloud hanging yeah. over anything um football you don't have to watch what the sport has done to deteriorate you know the bodies of these guys and, and you don't put asterisks with concussions yeah like you know that. i that, i think that's that's one of the the nice pure things about it i think one of the nicer pure things about it is it seems like when you incorporate both women and men and all you know international and national players and stuff like that it's more of the narrative of basketball than it is like certain players it's like it's like looking at a timeline. You can notch it up as you, I having not having having never been there. It's just in Springfield, Massachusetts, right? Illinois. I think it's Springfield, Massachusetts. I might be wrong on that, but I like the idea that they have this sort of the narrative, all the everything that goes in with basketball. And we, how close are we? Is not go- close. Google up on that. <laughs> no, the internet's down. Um, but uh, I like the I like the idea that it's the narrative of it, and what would be. So to bring it back to the Utah Jazz here for a sec, uh, is Exum could he be there in twenty years? I mean, is it or is that so much hypothesis? Is You're right. I'm sorry, Benny. Springfield, Massachusetts, yeah. or is it? Uh, it's, it's just all conjecture anyway. It's like for all we know, he could suffer a Paul George like injury in you know the first game of the year. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, could he be a Hall of Famer? I I don't know. I, this he hasn't played one minute yeah. of of NBA basketball, so. So, all right, let me ask you another question. Uh, Johnny Football. Yep. Manziel. Lots of photos of him going to Vegas, spraying champagne on chicks, kind of acting it up as a 22-year-old and stuff like that. And uh, with the 
is that good for uh, how many arts? Are, I don't know. How I ask this question, but is that good for his image in terms of like making it more normal? Like, is it? Do you th- with these young kids? It's like they have this new influx of money. They've been you know kind of burdened with a college uh, career that's not allowing them to go out and you know kind of participate like that. Do you think? Uh, could, uh, here's the question, really. Could you have the self-restraint not to spray champagne on girls at a hot tub? With that level of fame. <laughs> I, I have thus far in my life exercised that restraint, but okay. I have not achieved that level of fame. No, um, no I think it would be the, the way, you know, Internet and, and Instagram, Twitter, all, all of this stuff, it's pretty hard to come out clean, especially when you – you have that kind of money and, and the kind of opportunities. The that, variety. Yeah, you know, and, and then you're hanging out with your friends and your friends take some photo and it's out there. I don't know. I, I think it would be very hard. I think I think we're both glad that we don't have uh, – we're, we're a little bit older than than some of that, you know, than that internet time. And I'm also yeah, – oh, it just – it's like I, I always think about this. It's like, oh, it would be great to have the money. And, you know, like money, I hate to say it, it's not like the driving force beyond, but I think being financially secure and having the opportunity to go and travel and, uh, you know, participate, like rent a, 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 like a, renting jet skis and this, that, and the other at a whim's notice. And then the second thing about it is like you get to take your profession, like the trade that you've been working on since you're like nine years old to literally the apex, like you're finally in football, like uh, the NFL. And, you know, you don't want to be a distraction, but on the same side of the coin, there's a bit of a carpe diem where it's like, it's very likely he could have a, you know, concussed and he's done. You know, like he could, Manziel's career could have a Joe Theismann-like injury, you know, and that he never gets it, never takes another snap under center in the NFL. And uh, I think the third part about it is like the legacy part, which is like, I think kind of tying into the three ranking, the gold medal uh, title and MVP, it's like, I think you want to have, make an impact on the league. And I think what's sexy about Manziel, above and beyond everything else, is that I, you get to sense like he knows, yeah, I work hard, I play hard, and just wait till you see me in camp. And, you know, and, and what, I've done this this entire time at Oklahoma State, and so now you're going to see me do it to Cleveland Browns. And look out, you know, look out. Was it Boyer, the guy ahead of him? Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer, it's like, look out, Hoyer. It's like you, you get two games, and they're putting the ball in mine in the third. You know, and uh, I think if you kind of take all this in together, it's like he might be more put together than we give him credit for and that he is, has a sense of self-identity that is kind of un, almost uncanny for 23-year-olds. You know, just in a weird way, I don't know if it's what people want. You know, you know, people here in Utah probably wouldn't tolerate maybe as much as people in Cleveland would. I think if he wins, people will tolerate a lot of things. Exactly. Uh, but if you can't beat out Brian Hoyer for, you know, starting job by week, one then, <laughs> then uh i think the the champagne showers go away a little bit after right. that so as we're wrapping this up here uh what's ck at he's at uh, tour of utah tour of utah he's uh like somewhere near cedar city second uh, where are they? It, he sent me a text five he... minutes ago he has 82.5 miles left to go in stage one of the race oh man it's a beautiful state. I don't know if I'd want to see it on the saddle of a bike. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's, he's in a rental car. He's in a Kia. Oh, good for him. All right. Well, uh, since we don't have Kevin Winter Morris here and we don't have uh, Chris Kamrani, uh, Kyle Goon, and uh, Matt Piper up at the University of Utah watching the first 20, the last 20 minutes of practice for 
is that uh, is that new? Will they just limit that much of the press content? No, I think there there have always been limitations. Um, I'm not sure what they are. I've never never covered that, but but every I mean, NBA, we got you know we get 10, 15 minutes of jazz practice. Last year, my first year doing this, uh, it was basically you watch them stretch, and then they by the time you know the the open window was was closed, that's when they started to do stuff. That's crazy. So. But anyway, they're up at the U, so and um, so obviously follow them on sltrib.com, and uh, we'll throw out Aaron Falk, which is uh, at Trib Jazz. Uh, I'm at Benny Raskin. We were going to put together the mailbag for today, but without Chris and Kevin here, we're going to postpone that for next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Got any questions? Uh, check us out on iTunes. Uh, give us a nice five-star uh, uh, rating. We don't deserve a five-star rating. But if you've listened up to the 40-minute mark, we'd appreciate it if you could just go there for like 30 seconds to help us with a little traction on that. <laughs> Throw a comment on that, any questions, tweet them at us, and we'll get back to you next week. Thanks for listening.